So we got a full couple weeks under our belt in the state house. And as much as they may not want it to be true, this is a social issue session. It doesn't mean that only the social issues are being addressed. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, in case you didn't know. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Eric Berman is the dean of the state house. He is, of course, the top dog political reporter at 93.1 FM WIBC. He joins us right now for a little bit of Indiana State House review. And, and before we get to the things that we're not even paying attention to, <laughs> am I wrong in my assessment, Eric Berman, that this is a social issues uh, uh, session and there is no avoiding it? Um, well, there, there's avoiding it, but this is a choice that they've made. And I think you're absolutely right that it is a social issues session. People asked me back in November what the big issues were, were going to be, and they, I missed it completely, quite honestly. I, I thought this would be a relatively calm session. You know, last, last year was, you know, budget sessions are always fiscal, but there were so many big investments that the state made, and those even things that weren't the budget, um, that's what dominated the session. I didn't see this train coming, and I think in part Glenn Youngkin affected that, certainly uh, with the critical race theory bills that are moving in both chambers, but a lot of the other social issues, the uh, these are the ones, possibly because nature abhors a vacuum, but for whatever reason, these are the bills that are moving and moving quickly, and I do think that's going to be the through line of this session. You've got Senate Bill 167. Of course, that's the big one from Senator Scott Baldwin and the Democratic Party uh, capitalizing on, on some some bad talk or some sloppy talk, however you want to describe it, from the senator to try and destroy this piece of legislation on the critical race theory on the idea of being transparent. And that's where it gets kind of interesting, because even Beth Niedemeyer, superintendent of the Noblesville schools, while she doesn't favor anything that would mean you don't get to teach, she favors the idea of transparency. It was a very interesting letter uh, that she wrote uh, publicly. It seems to me that this bill is just simply too much, but broken up into some component pieces, it might actually have a future. What are you hearing about its future? Well, I think it'll probably go to the House floor. I beg your pardon, it is going to the House floor, past the House committee this week. Um, and the Senate version is extremely similar. I would assume that it will move as well. Whether a final version passes, that remains to be seen, because what, what Dr. Niedermeyer laid out, she's not alone on this. This was pretty much the unanimous testimony from the teachers groups and the superintendents and the principals, all the folks who testify in education issues. Uh, what they've all said is, look, we're for transparency. We're for parental involvement. We think we do lots of things in parental involvement anyway. We're all for that. Where they get concerned, well, actually, they get concerned on two fronts. One is the bureaucratic element, that this potentially creates lots of paperwork and lots of litigation. The second thing, though, is the content of it, going beyond just the transparency issues to this list of what uh, Ed Delaney, one of the House Democrats, called the eight sins laid out in the bill, these eight categories of things that teachers should not talk about. And the concern from teachers and superintendents is when you lay out things that teachers can't talk about, you've got to make sure that you draw those very specifically so that it's clear what's allowed and what isn't so that teachers aren't afraid to talk about racism or Nazism or Marxism, all the things that, that, that got Scott Baldwin in trouble last week. 
So it's it, it's interesting, and I'll speak out of it from the political side, not not uh, going back to you uh, on a news side. Um, that it would seem to me that that is an admission that it is okay to draw a line, which would signal to me that there is a very open door for future sessions for this to come back. Talking to Eric Berman, the chief uh, political reporter and the dean of uh, the General Assembly, the dean of the House there for 93.1 FM WIBC. Uh, One of the other things that has moved forward is this lawful carry uh, provision. It is through the House, I believe, on its way to the Senate. Uh, It kind of got thrown out in a a bit of a a shadowy way last year, the idea of constitutional carry, where it just died in committee and then everyone can point fingers and nobody has to admit anything. Are they going to bring this to a vote this year? Are they going to try and make this go away? Short answer, I have no idea. Um, you, you, that, that's exactly what happened last year. It, uh, it passed the House by almost an identical margin to what it passed by uh, this week. Um, and then it just didn't get to a vote in the Senate, whether that was because there were other things going on or people wanted to bury it. Um, that, that's up in the air. What, uh, what the Senate President Pro Tem, Rod Bray, has said is, well, this isn't an identical bill to last year. We're going to have to look at it. Uh, what happened last year doesn't necessarily predict what's going to happen this year. Um, I think that's a remains to be seen. There's a couple of new senators, probably not enough to uh, to shift the balance if that if having the votes is the issue. Um, but I think we'll find that out next month when the Senate starts looking at House bills. Now let's get into some of the other big ones that are really affecting Hoosiers. Certainly, while I'm a guy who favors uh, lawful carry, constitutional carry, uh, I am very confused by the Republican Party and their actions sometimes. The big one is the Indiana House bill to ban employer vaccine mandates. Now that that has advanced, where is this in the Senate? And does Governor Holcomb have any appetite to sign that legislation? You know, this might be one of those issues that goes down to the last day of the session, which uh, this year will be mid-March, remember, short session. Um, It's going to pass the House. That much is clear. What the Senate has done is, you know, they have a a vaccine mandate limit bill as well, but they've broken it into a couple of pieces. Remember, one of the – where this all started was when Governor Holcomb came out before the start of the session in November and said, look, we all want to bring an end to the uh, emergency declaration. Here's the three things that we need to do. There's three things that are in our executive orders that really need to continue, notably federal, extra federal funding for Medicaid and food stamps. Put those into state law and we can, and we can end this thing. And the Senate has a bill that would do that, and then they have a separate bill limiting vaccine mandates. The House, which is moving faster on this, they're taking the lead on it, put those all into one bill. And so the first problem Governor Holcomb is going to have is, look, I asked for three things. What are we doing here? The second problem is he has said he has concerns about the bill. He's not been specific about them, but he's made clear that he doesn't doesn't really like it the way it stands. Where those negotiations that are going on behind the scenes go, what what this bill looks like in its final form, whether it goes so far that Holcomb would veto it, whether a veto would get sustained, which is extremely doubtful, weak veto state, all of those, I think, are up in the air. But this is going to be a long, long debate about uh, what what is good policy and how do we draw it? Again, how do you draw the line so what you're trying to do is what you actually do? As I always ask you, Eric Berman, during the State House review, what is the piece of legislation we're not paying attention to that we should? 
You know, I thought I had a great answer to that this week, and then people started paying attention to it. So I don't know if this is the best answer. There probably needs to be more attention, and I'll have a story on this next week. There is a bill which has gotten a hearing and will get a vote next week to put party affiliation on the ballot for school board. Remember, school board is a nonpartisan office in Indiana. Actually, in most states, of 43 of the 50 states, it's a nonpartisan office. And there is a bill. It would not create a primary. You would run in the general election without everybody's on the same ballot. But it would say on the ballot, Tony Katz, Republican, or Joe Biden, Democrat, or you could list yourself as an independent. Um, that's getting a lot of attention. To, well, that's starting to get attention, I should say. Um, once again, the the school boards association says this is a bad idea. This will politicize things. The folks who have introduced this have said, look, this is a, a way to have some idea what people stand for before before you go into the ballot into the voting booth. So that that's going to get more attention uh, than it already has.